Welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and thank you very much for coming to listen to this. And by coming, I mean coming to wherever you were when you put in the earphones or, or whatever you did, because uh, I assume you have done that. So let's get to it. We have a really amazing and jam-packed show. We have lots of lots of exciting things. We have great serials, and we have great uh, hosts, and we have great guests, and I want to introduce them all right now, but I have to do them one at a time, because otherwise you won't be able to understand me. Uh, so, right here next to me is Mr. Frank Allen. Hello, how's it going? That's, as I said, it's going very well. Uh, are things going all right with you? Uh, I can't complain that much. I mean, I could. No, 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 no. That's fine. That's fine. You don't have to. But um, thank you for coming. You're welcome. And uh, over here is Mr. Rory Sinjin of the Hirohito Loveburger Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Yes, that is I. Thank you for having me on the show, as always, because I am one of the co-hosts. Right, right, of course. Uh, so, yes, it's, as you pointed out, no trouble at all. Good. And lastly, uh, my good friend and cat... Uh, Mr. Scape White. Hello, Dad. How are you today? I already said I'm good, but I'm still good, so that's good. Yeah, I agree. That's good. So, uh, thank you for having me. Again, uh, we, we, everybody's thanking me for having them, but none of you are actually new guests. That's true, but I was copying what they said. All right. Well, that's fine. So, guys, uh, we, as you know, we have some special guests, but I only have a limited number of microphones. So, Frank, Rory, thank you for coming. Uh, can you guys just go over there onto the couch and hang out? And if we need you, we'll call you over. What? What? You're gonna. I'm gonna. You want me to sit on the couch? Yeah, like uh, because we we have two guests and we don't have that many microphones. So I was gonna. You know, you guys are here all the time. And like I said, if we need you, we'll call you up. Well, I mean, I I suppose we could do that. Is that? Do you need me to do that? Yes, dear. I'm sure that um. If yeah, it, I need you to do that. You should be asking me. It's my show. Yes, darling. Go ahead. If we need you, we'll call you back. All right. Yes, I, that's fine. Well, I don't think it's fine. Well, it's fine. So. Frank, listen, we have a lot to discuss on this show, and none of it has to do with you. So just, well, if we need you... <sighs> this is ridiculous. Fine, I'm going to go to the stupid couch. Fine. 
ridiculous. Now, on to important things. I, I wanted to assemble this particular four-person panel, because as you recall from last episode and the episode before, uh, although not discussed enough last episode, apparently, I now own the Bronx Zoo, and I have an amazing plan. So I wanted to have uh, these three people to discuss this with me, starting, of course, with Mr. Scape White, because you are, as a representative of the animal kingdom, I figured you should have a voice. I do have a voice. It's a very beautiful voice. Well... Oh, I meant like a say. I do say a lot of things. Okay. And uh, thankfully, now, a zoo, as everyone knows, I don't think I need to explain this, but a zoo is a place where lots of animals live. And that's how I define it anyway. And I th- am thankful to know that when I had some trouble with the zoo, I knew I had two people I could turn to, aside from my, my cat, uh, who both are experts in the animal kingdom, who oddly enough are both animal psychologists. Uh, so I'm thankful to have with me Mr. Mike Pembleton and... Do- a doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. Dr. Mike Pembleton and... Uh, doctor? Yes. Dr. June T. Loveberger. Thank you for for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, uh, Jordan. I'm very happy to, that you thought of me to invite me on to help you with your new responsibility. And it really, it makes me very glad that you are taking this responsibility as seriously as you are. I really am. I don't really have much to say, uh, but thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. Now, I, I, I know both of you are busy people, so I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. That being said, I'm also looking to hire someone to actually help me run the zoo, so hopefully maybe one of you can help me with that. Anyway, moving aside, I have big ideas for... For this zoo, and I think both of you will know what I mean when I tell you this idea. I think you'll have a lot of insight into how to get this done. Get ready for this. Here's what I'm thinking. Communist zoo. You know, in my lab, we've only experimented with uh, socialist animals so far. We we still haven't really gotten uh, experiments with communist animals by the review board yet. So well, when you the, say the, the findings are still you know, in their earliest stages as to whether or not a communist zoo would theoretically be viable. Well, I think, I mean, I think it's got to be, right? You know? Well, that's what you think. Yeah, it is. I think that the the question that I would ask is, are the animals in the zoo choosing to be communist or are you imposing communist structures on them? Well, I mean... Well, look, how, oh, how, oh. Howegger et al. in 1983 actually found that when it comes to animals, communism is not uh, something you so much choose, but something, it's more of a genetic trait that you're uh, born with. You're born a communist or a socialist or a capitalist animal. Now that's that's news to me. I didn't know that. But I, I, to be totally honest with you, you're, you're asking about choosing or even their natural inclinations. And I, the way I look at it is I kind of don't care because the, the traditional zoo model is kind of like a to correct me if I'm wrong, like a dictatorship model, right? I mean, they kind of go, whoever runs the zoo goes, you animals are going to stay in a cage right here. You animals are going to stay right there. You guys are behind glass. You guys are indoors. You guys are outdoors. And they don't have much of a choice of anything. So I'm thinking I'll be a benevolent dictator and for and be like the great leader and we can be a communist society and f- to each animal according to his need, from each animal according to his ability. That's, that's my motto. Well, what you're describing almost sounds like an exploitative relationship, if anything. Thing. You know, the um, the ruling class versus the working class. You'd be careful, especially if you're working with communist animals, that they may not actually uh, rise up against you. You must uh, emphasize, for example, that your rule is not so much permanent, but more custodial until the natural community, the ultimate goal of communism and okay. Marxist ideology comes through into fruition. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So basically the goal, so the, the, it's me going, look, I run the zoo because the zoo's always been run. And right now it only functions with someone running it. But once you guys are able to just be a zoo, 
You won't need me anymore. Exactly. You see, Howegger found, and also in his 1983 study, that communist um, animals go more from a Marxist vein as opposed to a Stalinist or perhaps even a Leninist vein. Okay. And definitely not a Maoist kind of vein at all, uh, except for the mice. They couldn't no read a intended. book. Well, that's what you think. Right. Someone has never seen Animal Farm. Oh, have you never seen Animal Farm? N- not the m- movie. Is there? Is there a movie? Not so much a movie, but more a documentary. Oh. Well, Miss Lovebird. I mean, you are a, a great appreciator of animals. Of course, yes. You forced Rory to be vegetarian. I, d- I didn't force Rory. Well, you coerced him with sex. What? No, I- Well, he, you know, it could have been more of a custodial coercion by, by sex in which she initially is more aggressive in her sexual coercion. I, I did not Ca- coerce Rory with sex. Rory- cares about me and therefore he understands things the way that I, I understand them because we have so much we have a special bond. So you've never had sex. What does that have to do with anything? Exactly. That has nothing to do with anything. Well I, okay, no it doesn't. I, you, I, you brought it up. The point is. I did not bring it because up. Because you said you didn't coerce him but the point is that you, you're a vegetarian and you feel strongly about vegetarian things. It could be benevolent sexual coercion though. We, no, we can't no, rule can that we get out. Off of the topic of sexual coercion. This is a professional yes, setting, we and I don't... <sighs> we should get off the topic of sexual coercion, because I'm not going to use that on any of the animals. So, no, we should we should move on to the t- kinds of coercion that are, are useful. So, what kinds of coercion... So, I mean, no, but Miss Loveberger, you've, you've turned probably multiple people into vegetarians. How do you force people to want what you want? And more to the point, how do you force animals to want what you want? I don't think of... Anything is forcing anybody. I don't force people to do things. I just, I just, I present a very good argument for why they should. And because I am such a caring, giving, loving person towards these animals, and then my positivity and my positive energy and my goodwill towards animals just naturally spreads to those people around me because I am just such an admirable person. Isn't that right, Rory? Yes, dear, that is absolutely correct. Well, okay, well, so, okay, well, this is why it's good that we have Scape here. So, if we want the animals to all fall in line with this communist revolution of the zoo... Well, you're using very imperialist kind of language there. I mean, that's the... I'm a product of my society, aren't I? I mean, I'm an animal, too. <laughs> Which... It might behoove you, no pun intended, to actually... animal hooves. Right. It might behoove you, no pun intended, to actually perhaps uh, get a good Marxist grounding before you attempt to, say, bestow your custodial role upon these animals. But but what I'm trying... Well, okay, well, that's fine. I mean, but I hope that you guys will help me with that because... We've got a cat here, and if we can convince him, then we know we've hit on the right methods to convince. I mean, what's the difference between coercing animals to behave the way you want them to behave versus putting them in cages and forcing them to behave the way that you want them to behave? As long as they think that they've chosen it, they're happier. And the latter is something that only the bourgeoisie would prefer. Vive la proletariat. Good point. Uh, Jordan, I think that you're getting a little bit... Off track. I I believe that in order to properly run a zoo, you need to be thinking about the best interests of the animals that are in the zoo and not necessarily thinking about just how you can bend them to your will. No, I don't. It's not about me. It's about the the, the better of the. That's it's a communist society. That's all about the the greater good. Like I said, to each animal, because they have to live in this world and they have to be willing. And sometimes there's bumps. I want this to be a bloodless coup. We've got guns. God knows we've got guns. We could shoot the animals who rebel, but I don't want to have to do that. 
So the point is, if they, if they, if we can, if we can use a campaign of propaganda to con- conv- convince the animals, like, 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 like this, should, we could do like this. This could be like, like Mad Men. You guys are like the ad agency guys, but the ads that we're trying to make are for animals and convincing them that communism is good. So, like, you know, pitch me some, uh, some ads. Well, it, it is true. Stevenson in 1985 did find that propaganda was particularly uh, strong on uh, mice and rats. Uh, cats are a little bit more difficult to sway with such means, though. Though a cult of personality should not be ruled out. Now, when you say cats, do you are you talking about house cats, or would that also apply to you know large cats? I'd say both. Okay. Well, they definitely have large cats at the Bronx Zoo, so we you do need something. So, so is this something where if we get in there? I mean, I, listen, I I hate to say this because I already feel like we're corrupting the, the communist society by saying this. But are you saying that what we might need to do is go into one of the large cats, the real popular one, like like the the the, the lion that has the you know the mane, and say to him, listen. We'll give you extra food if you say you're down with this communist thing and get all the other cats to go along. If they fall in line, you get to reap the benefits. You get more than you need. Is that what we're, we're talking about here? Do you think that that might stir up some resentment between the other animals? No, I mean, it has to be secret. That's the point. That's what I'm saying. It's under the table. We have this place under the table where they, other cats can't see. He can just eat the meat there. Well, to tell you the truth, there's quite a precedence for this. Um, we don't even have to be secret about this. Like, perhaps even put uh, this one cat more on a pedestal and call him a, a hero to the union, uh, a hero to the whole um, Bronx Revolution, if you will, we can instill a bit of Stockinovism throughout uh, the animal kingdom here. I mean, positive reinforcement is always a good thing when it comes to getting animals to behave in a way that's correct. You know what? I just realized... Oh, man, that just gives me two important thoughts. Well, first of all, reacting to what you just said about positive reinforcement, what I'm worried about is with with some of the animals, the animals who have been, you know, who are, are the, the kind of lower rung animals, this is definitely going to be an improvement in their lifestyle and in the way that they're living because they're not going to be treated like second class animals from now on. But when you get to like the fat cats, the cats who are fat, they're going to be having a reduction in their lifestyle. And so to them, it's going to be kind of a step down. Serves them right, dirty capitalists. I know. That's the thing, though. Don't you think? The the cats, just because they're faster and can catch animals more easily, like their prey, they think they can eat more. But that doesn't matter. What I was about to say is, you made me think of something, uh, Dr. Pendleton, made me think of something that I totally never thought of before, but seems like it would be maybe the key to this whole enterprise. Union. If all of the different groups of animals unionize, so we've got a penguins union, and we've got a lions union, and we've got a, you know, a bats union, and then the most, po- again, we go back to the lions for a minute, the, the lion with the mane, right? Maybe he's the union rep and the union leader, so he earns his extra meat. Yeah, we could make them perhaps uh, into heroes of socialist zoolism. Yeah, we're, we're going to need to set up an elaborate system of unions, I think, uh, starting with a large mammal union and like, what's the, what's the word for bird that's like mammal? Bat? No, no. Uh, b- bats are a mammal that's like a bird. I mean, the group. <laughs> avian, yes. A, a mammal union and an avian union. And, uh, you know, and then, they, and then they break into their subunions. And so basically, it'll be like the Lions Local 237 and stuff like that. And that will be a great way to organize what the animals all need, what they're all doing. And then they can all have a, kind of a representative communist society. And then to go one step further, the whole, all this talk about Alexei Stokhanov has, uh, has inspired me a bit. We can make each of the animals in a given union that uh, goes past uh, production quotas and production goals into an animal uh, Stokhanovite 
of sorts and make them almost uh, heroize them, emblemize them, if you will, and uh, make them into an example of what the other animals can achieve if they, too, break past production goals and produce uh, so much more for the glorious union. That's a really good idea. Now, I'll tell you what I'm worried about. And maybe, Miss Loveburger, maybe, uh, Dr. Loveburger, you have some insight into this. Because, again, it's not quite about vegetarianism, but it is related to vegetarianism because it is the opposite of vegetarianism. What I'm worried about... Wait, the Vegetables eat us. No, well, actually, you're right. That's <laughs> that happened kind of, in the 1993 study. That's uh, that is more the opposite. Good, uh, we lost a lot of good specimens that day. I meant more the antithesis in that it's a uh, uh, carnivorism, carnivorism. I, I suppose. Anyway, the point is, um, what I what I'm worried about, and what I don't know how we're gonna get everybody to fall in line with, is the idea that. Basically, we're going to be relying on the animals to produce and to produce the food, especially when it comes to things like, you know, again, the, those of the, the animals who are rodents and things like, you know, like caribou and stuff like that. They're going to basically, in many ways, be in charge of production of food because they need to mate and then offer up probably not their young, but, you know, re- regular healthy specimens for other the other unions to feed off of. I, like, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm worried. I'm worried they're not going to be agreeing to this. Jordan, there's plenty of precedent in uh, socialist history for such incentives for increased production, even of specimens. Okay. Nikolai Ceausescu, for example, bestowed many awards on mothers who had uh, more than four children and then promptly fed them to the Red Army. Well, I'm, I, you know, I, f- I feel really lucky that I have an expert who is both an expert on animals and communism at the same time. Dr. Loveberger, I know you're, you're much more of a, of a capitalist traditionally. Right, that is correct. Well, what's to <laughs> expect when she comes from upper class stock like that? Um, I don't know why we need to get personal like that, but... Kepler says what? You were supposed to say what? Uh, this entire animals uh, uh, feeding themselves to each other goes against their natural inclinations of self-preservation. Well, yeah, but it goes towards the other animals' natural inclinations of self-preservation. This right, is, but that's not who but, we're talking about. Well, it, it is because, again, as a communist society, we're asking all the animals to look past their own uh, self-interest and the, look instead to the interest of the greater good. If, if one caribou sacrifices himself, it feeds not only all the lions, but also keeps the other caribou in his herd alive. See, this is precisely why I'm worried about when it comes to capitalism and the faux benevolence of the bourgeoisie. There's always this mask of vegetarianism of like, oh, we are so well off at we can afford to perhaps not offer up our own young to be eaten by the other yeah, animals. It, it's this- there is there's a sort of mutual sacrifice amongst the entire animal community that uh, we're just not paying attention to, and that's the glory. The glory of the modern communist system. I'm sorry. The problem with capitalism is that we are not feeding ourselves to one another. No, the problem with this zoo is apparently becoming these objectivist caribou who are not willing to give to the entire society. The point By is... By killing themselves. Yeah, well, or be... I mean, listen, they don't have to shoot themselves in the head. They can walk into the lion cage alive and That's the lions will kill them. Still- the lions will kill them. The point is, and we can give them painkiller. No, we can't because then the lions will be eating painkiller. All right. Well, we can't give them painkiller. But the point is, they're still doing what's right as part of a member as a valuable member of the society and their sacrifice is appreciated and how would 
you choose which caribou or sacrifice? Again, look, Anne Rand, we de- we need to do this in a very randomistic sort of manner. We we don't we don't simply decide. We perhaps draw lots in a very kind you of. You think so? See, I was thinking it would just be up to the each union themselves. Like the caribou union can decide. Hmm. I mean, whoever's got again, whoever's got the biggest antlers is probably the ca- the the union rep. So he can. I, I only fear tyranny by a majority in, in that uh, particular circumstance. Okay, right, right, uh, right. A pitfall, the democratic uh, capitalist uh, hybrid. Good point, good point. This is an entirely new way for a zoo to be run because typically you would have like food would just be imported it's, into the zoo. But it's not you don't new, support, it's revolutionary. But you don't Completely support us giving money the to the, 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 the meat industry, do you? Of course not. Well, but, so this way we don't do that. You should be in favor of this. This is a self-sustaining I, ecosystem. You cannot make an omelet without cracking a few eggs, and you cannot have a revolution without a little bit of blood spilt. Well, we're, no, again, we're trying to avoid a bloody revolution. But, no such thing. But you want to... Still be feeding animals to each... I mean, you can't do that without there being blood. That's why... Well, right. But that's... Again, that's why we all are going to get them... That's why you're here. To help me figure out a way to convince an animal that it's in his best interest and the best interest of everyone there as a result for him to you know, die for another animal. I'll just give him a few copies of Atlas Shrugged, I suppose. Well, no, then they'll be like, I'm going to go galt and like jump over the fence of the of the, of the the zoo and run away. Well, actually, if there's a going galt kind of situation, it would be you running away. Oh, I'm the galt? You know, in this paradigm, you're probably the closest equivalent to the galt. Well, does, I mean, but you're, you're not running away, are yeah, you? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm si- well, again, then there I'll we go, go Rand's when I'm not horrible needed. ideology fails. Right. So there, Ayn Rand. Are, why are you looking at me? Because I'm not you're Ayn fighting. Rand. Okay, I, you're standing up for the system that's currently in place. It's in it's in the interest of the community to break down this system so not, that a new I one may not, flourish in I its place. Not, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this concept. Well, here's so 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 what we've got is we we need to get this system in place. And again, we can do it at gunpoint. I don't wanna. So what do you suggest, June? I suggest finding out what the animals would prefer that you do. Let them go. No. I'm decide, saying you you have to convince them by saying, look at this wonderful home that I am offering you. And really just present, this is a wonderful home that I am offering to you. Okay. This is a great place to be. Okay. And just uh, say, what can I do to make an environment that you will want to stay in? And All right. Th- well, let, let's do an experiment. I'm going to put you in charge of this right now. Sure. Right here, we mm-hmm. have my, my son slash cat. He's not really my son. He's adopted. My cat, Skate. Hello. He lives, I mean, again... If we're being realistic, he's a captive here. We don't let him out of the house. We do not allow him to leave. Which is dicky. Well, be that as it may. We feed him and we give him everything he needs. That being said, I don't think he is a contributing member of our family. He he gives love and he gives affection. Does he meet the love quota for the quarter? Well, we don't we try not to set those. But he's also, you know, he he beats up on his sister and he chases her around. So the point is I think if you say to him, I need you to be giving, I need you to only eat half of the moist food that you eat so that the other half can go to some other people. I don't think he's gonna say yes. I'm gonna say well, that's why you established the five-year plan to gradually reduce the amount of uh, the food over time. Yes, but again, that that's me as a controlling hand doing that. I want you to convince him. But I, but I'm going to give June the opportunity. June, talk to Skate. This is what him. I would what I would do. Tell me, show me what you would do. I would say. No, no, don't say. I would say. Say it. Well, I he's have, right here. I have a different 
the idea of, of how this would be most effective. And that's- With the, with the zoo animals, you mean? Right. Yeah, but model and, and, it. I want you to extended. model it. I just want you to model it. We're doing a radio show. It's got to be exciting. I want you to model it. Put the dress on, spin it around like, you know, like a good girl. I would say scales. Yes. How much moist food would you like? All of it. All of it? Yeah. Like all of it ever? Yeah. Like all of the moist food ever? How many moist foods are there? I, d- I don't know. A lot. More than 10. More than 10? Yeah. Then that's how many I want. Okay, so, Scape, what can you do to make it worth it for us to give you that much moist food? Like, what do you what do you have to offer us in exchange for moist food? I will eat it. No, but, you see, if you, do you want ten moist food? More than ten? More, moist food? yeah, more, more, more. Yeah, so, uh, what can you give in return in exchange for moist food? I will eat the moist food. That's not giving. That's taking. Oh, what do you want? I'm not going to give you any moist food. Will you give me... A scratch? No, that's not what I want. That's not good. Okay, People well, what if like I would give you a scratch if you don't give me all the moist food? How about that? That's sneaky, Scape. But if you Thank do you. that, you still won't get any moist food. You'll just get angry people. Well, how many scratches do you want? I don't want any. Well, I will give you... What can you... you give that is good? What can I give that is good? Do you have anything to give that is good, Scape? I will give you my affection. Okay. So, so give me the moist food now. Your affection to me is worth about mm, three moist food. Okay, give me three moist food. Okay, but it's not worth ten. It's only worth three. Give me three then. Okay, you can have three. Okay, let's have it. So that's the system. No, let's have give it. Them- <laughs> let's have it. I was just giving an example. Well, give it. This the give example. The example. This was an example. I want the this example. conversation was an example. I want to eat it. It would be like if I were going to give you moist food, but it I'm not going to give it. This didn't go very well, though. See, this this is. <laughs> Why sometimes we have to have a hard, a hard iron-fisted sort of custodial rule to sort of provide the segue into a system where everyone can get their fair share because greed will run inherent within the system. I, I'm not- sorry to imply that if you escape, but no, I want it all. You see, modern capitalist thought here. There was not a problem with the system. That was a problem with Scape not understanding what an example is. What's an example? An example is when we say something, just. To show you that these things exist, but it's, we're not actually doing the thing. Oh, well, let's try it again then. Say it again. Why don't you say it again? No, I don't want to say it again. Yeah, go ahead. No, say it again. because you don't understand. Because then right, you're going to I'll give you moist food. I'll say it. Hey, Scape, I'll give you moist food. Hey, shut up. You're lying. Liar. It's not lying if it's an example. Well, yep. how many moist foods do you even have? She actually has none because she doesn't believe in feeding meat and moist food is all meat. See, more lies than the bourgeoisie. Oh. It was an example. Well, okay, all right. Thank you for your example. Why don't you try it, Doctor Pendleton? Well, first up, I would, um, I would design. Don't say you would. Just, just okay. say it. All right, then I'll say this outright. I have five men in imposing KGB uniforms behind me with guns. Wait, that's not. No, you don't. That's it's not true. It's an example. Does nobody here understand what an example is? They are imaginary. They're invisible. But do not you dare think for a second that those guns are not actually loaded. Oh. Now, you will only get one moist treat per week as your ration. Wow. And then, if you fulfill quota, you'll get your next moist treat. What's the quota? End quota is the minimum amount of work that you have to put in. What For work? the union. We will have to... We'll definitely have to put them through a brainwashing and re I'm sorry. A re-education program to firmly get him conditioned to the point which he can be of use to the glorious revolution. Well, do I get moist food during it? Yes. Okay. And then, 
If you surpass production quotas for two quarters in a row, we'll consider bringing up your rations to two moist bits of meat, but no promises. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say two bits? I thought you meant like bits are just packages. Bits are just a unit. I mean, don't let the word throw you off. They're of considerable size. They're called bits and they're, they're considerable size? Yes, it's just a misnomer. Um, oh. An old artifact of the English language. Okay, don't worry about okay, it. Okay, okay. So where's the red moist food? Upon uh, completing the re-education seminar, you will be given your moist food. Oh, come on. How long is that? Hmm. I would say 15 hours with two short 10-minute breaks in between. But I'm hungry now. Well, so are those men in the uniforms with the uh, invisible guns behind me. I never thought of it that way. See, that is how the custodial rule works. Wait, this escape, escape. What? I just offered you two bits of moist food, and I offered you three. What? lied! He's lying too. No, he said. There are two really bits of cons- there are two bits of considerable size. That's yeah. no lie. He said I'll get him later. You said I'll give him to you now, and then you didn't. What? It was an example. His is an example, too. He's not really going to give to you. Note, Scape, that the word example is bourgeoisie language for lie. Oh, bourgeoisie. It's just... The bourgeoisie are the enemy, Scape. No, the problem is just that Scape doesn't understand what an example is. Well, now I do. It's when you lie to me, liar, so... Do not believe the bourgeoisie's examples. Hey, do you know what I think? I think she should be first against the wall. What do you, you think? Know, you that's, know what no, I think? that's awful. Jordan, what What do you think? Tell me what you think. That's awful, Scape. You're grounded. Well, Jordan, do you understand the merits of, of asking animals what they want instead of just telling well, no, them? No, it upset him. Because I didn't. you didn't it? give him what he wanted. He just didn't understand that it he was said an example. He wanted if I really gave him food. three... He, sa- he said he wanted ten. If I gave him three moist food, he would like that more than two. That's what I'm saying. Miss Loveburger, in her usual capitalistic zeal, played to the endless greed of the cat, whereas my system taught the inclinations of the needs and wants of others as well as your own, and the necessity of sharing very limited uh, rations. Well, speaking of- This is the question. The question is, would you prefer to have three moist food right now, or would you prefer to have two considerable- large bits of moist food 15 hours from now. Well, I'll tell you what. That's the question. I'm just questioning that you would I answer your question, but if I don't get the three moist foods now... No, I'm just asking... Then, then you're lying. you're a liar forever! Now, do you want me to answer the question or not? Clearly, Scape does not understand oh, okay, hypothetical not, questions. Not. That did not sound like a yes or a no. That sounded more like another lie, Scape. It was a hypothetical question. It was just a question. Sometimes I can ask you, would you prefer this thing or this thing, and not necessarily be going to give you that thing. I'm just asking to know which one you would prefer more. Uh, that's a lie. That's not a lie. Well, that's right. That's a statement that's very factual. My dad taught me right from wrong, and I know that that is wrong. Jordan, did you teach Scape? I taught him right from wrong. Did you teach him that but capitalism you... is wrong? Because well. if so, then good job. <laughs> Apparently, you didn't teach him what examples or hypothetical questions were. I teach were. him lots of things. He knows it. Well, speaking of which, I actually do need to, to, to move uh, to, to our cereals. So speaking of sharing and the ability of what's greater for the greater good, uh, we do have three radio cereals that we're going to play today. Now, we'll come back and we'll, we'll wrap up our, our, our strategy mi- mi- meeting. I almost said mission. Um, but first, we're going to listen to, well, really four things. We're going to listen to the all-new radio serial called Octopus Set. 
created by myself and Charles Berman. It's going to get really crazy. We're going to listen to Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten. We're going to listen to This Day in History and Celebrity Where Are They Now in History, funded by Miss June T. Loveberger. And we're going to listen to the first new episode since November of 2010 of the amazing series, Scapey Stories. So, strap yourself in and get your listening ears on because it is time to listen to Octopus Set. Set created by Charles Berman and Jordan D. White. Episode 1 The True Story by Jordan D. White. Hello, my name is Paul. The story you are about to hear is all true, every detail. I can vouch for this fact because I was there the entire time. You'll recognize a few parts of it from seeing them on television. Tina being shot at the International Skip It Championships. Ed winning the lottery for four days in a row, John and Liz's infamous wedding, but you probably didn't realize that they were all part of the same story. They were. I'm going to explain everything, don't worry, but it's going to take a while, so sit down. No, seriously, sit! There's going to be a part where I need you to stand up, but right now I would feel a lot more comfortable if you would sit. Okay, I'm going to assume you're sitting now, so... Thanks. Before I begin, though, I just want to try to explain myself. I'm a good person, seriously. I mean, yeah, I've done some questionable things, but I think if you look at the whole thing, the entire story and all its completeness, you'll see that I really didn't mean to hurt anyone, okay? So just, you know, keep an open mind. If you hear a part where you think I don't come off as great as all that, just hang on a bit. You'll come around to, you know, agree. Or understand, maybe. Alright, so, where do I begin? <sighs> I don't know, I guess, yeah, I guess it all started a year ago. Not to the day, like about a year ago. Last year sometime, I forget what month, but the point was, I was at my home in my apartment when my roommate Ed came to me with an offer. Tom. Paul. Paul, right. You are not going to believe the amazing offer I have for you. Seriously, this is life-changingly good. What is it? Okay. You like money, right? Ed, come on. Well, how would you like to have enough money to choke a brachiosaur? Hell, choke a whole family of brachiosaurs. If this is that lottery thing... Forget that. That can wait. This idea is solid gold dipped in melted diamonds. Melted diamonds wouldn't be Tom, worth... seriously. It's Paul. Right, right. Paul. I am not kidding. We are going to be the richest people in the history of the world. So then I told Ed to prove it. And he did. Take a look at this. Read it and weep. With joy. At the anticipation of money. Is this what I think it is? Would it make us rich if it wasn't? How did you get it? That's an interesting story, actually. You remember Tina? You all remember Tina. She was the one who gets shot later. But at the time, I didn't remember Tina. Now I wish I could forget her. She was the girl from the Christmas party last year who put the star on top of the tree when she wasn't wearing underwear. Oh, right. Tina. Well, she and I have been seeing each other. Not like dating, but every once in a while, I'll meet her down at the Lakewood Elementary at 10, maybe 11 o'clock, and we'll cross over into the cemetery down the way and do it in front of this one awesome family headstone. She is a freak, by the way. But anyway, this one night, walking back to our cars, she mentions 
that the bank she works for has just opened an account for John Lamprey. The astronaut? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. She said he was really charming, and while they were chatting, he tells her about this bar on the east side called Wet Whistles, tells her she should check it out, that he'd be happy to take her someday. So, she happened to be in the neighborhood of old Wet Whistles one day and thought she would take a look, and it turns out it's a strip club. Hang on, John Lamprey invited her to a strip club? Seriously. So a few days later, I can't get a hold of Tina, so I think to myself, hey, why not check out this Wet Whistles place? So I did. And it was nice. What does that have to do with... I'm getting there. So I was sitting at Wet Whistles watching this one stripper, Liz something, I forget her name, when a guy sits next to me and nudges me in the side. I was weirded out, right? I'm enjoying a naked lady. I don't want to be interacting up close and personal with some guy, you know. But I look at the guy, he smiles, grabs my shoulder, and whispers in my ear. He says... Hey, if you're looking, I'm holding 40 bucks for human hearts. 60 for a nice gun. 100 for time machine. 100? You heard me. You in? Hell yeah, I'll take two. Easy, boy. I didn't say anything about two. You get one. See how you handle it. All right, man. We're cool. Here you go. What the hell? You're supposed to be giving me money. Sorry, baby. Here's a little something for you. You gave him ten times as much, and he's not even showing a thigh. Butt out, whore. Hey! Screw you! Security! There a problem here? Yeah, this scumbag is dealing in the middle no of No one is dealing anything. I owed him some money is all. I'm gonna have to ask you to empty out your pockets. Stay the hell away from me! Whoa! Put away the gun, man! Shut the hell up! I'm walking out of here now, and no one else is saying another word! What about my product? You ain't getting jacked! Now sit the hell down! I'd rather stand. And I'd rather shoot you in the head! So at this point, I'm upset. I give him a hundred bucks, you know what I mean? And now he's just gonna walk out of here with my time machine, if he even has it. So I tell him what I think of him. What did you say to me? You heard me. I said, you're an incredibly disreputable businessman. I give you the money and you reneged on our deal. I'm certainly not going to recommend that anyone else do business with you after this completely unprofessional display. I'll tell you that much. In fact, I would recommend them against dealing with you. You say that again? I would. I'd say it flat out. If you're ever offered a good deal on a time machine from an eye-patchy gentleman with alternating gold and platinum teeth who walks with a slight limp in his left leg and has a tattoo of an octopus set on his neck, you tell him, thank you, but no thank you. Oh, you're dead, mother. Ah, so you were just distracting him until the police could get there. What? No, the police didn't show up. That's not part of the story. That's the real police here, surrounding our apartment. What? Why? Obviously, I had to kill him. I thought you would have guessed. Did you not notice all the blood all over me? Of course I did. I was trying to be polite. You killed a dealer? It was him or me. And this way, I got my time machine, and my money, and his guns, and the human hearts. Win, 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 win. Oh, 
And he had this in his pocket. Whoa, whoa, you got this from the dealer? Sure did. So that's win, 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 win. How the hell does he know the formula for- He doesn't know anything anymore. I killed him, remember? How could I forget? We have to get out of here. Wait, the time machine. Give it to me. We can use that to- I swallowed it. You what? I had to get out of the club without attracting any attention. You're covered in blood. The cops followed you home. But they don't know about the time machine. So what? If we can't use it, we're- Yeah, the police shot a gas canister into our window. Ed. Ed is usually a good guy, too. I know he's probably not looking great to you at this point. Hell, I wasn't the biggest fan at that moment, either. (coughs) I mean, he killed a dealer and led the police to our apartment? That is not... (coughs) The kind of thing a friend... (coughs) The kind of thing a friend does... (coughs) Sorry, I... I can't... (coughs) I'm... In that episode of Octopus Set, Tom was Bailiff Quimby, Ed was Jacob Thompson, the dealer was Julia Kelly, the thug was Mickey Weishner, the stripper was Cheryl Casey, and the police officer was Jordan Randall. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On April 2nd, 2005, John Paul II, history's most well-traveled pope and the first non-Italian to hold the position since the 16th century, died at his home in the Vatican. Six days later, two million people packed Vatican City for his funeral, said to be the biggest funeral in history. Let's listen. Santa Maria Vesera, Santo Domingo, the Vecino, and the Trinidad, the Pope is dead. The Pope's dead. The Pope is dead. He tried to. He went swimming. He thought it would be fun, and he dove head first. He didn't check. He thought his God would protect him. He was wrong. Don't go in the Vatican swimming pool. We had it drained because of the Pope. He had dove first. It was drained, and then it was only two feet deep, and he didn't know it. This has been the Italian translation to English of the Vatican News. The Pope is dead. He dove headfirst into a swimming pool. Don't do the same unless you want to die similarly like your Holy Father. It was shortly thereafter that the Catholic Church did adopt the uh, 11th commandment. Thou shalt not dive headfirst into a shallow swimming pool, especially if you're an incredibly old man who doesn't realize how shallow it is. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But that wasn't all that was in the cards. This is Miss Cleo for Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Casting Wax. Did you know after the Pope fell face down into the swimming pool, ending his life because he had not called me now for his free tarot reading, for me to tell him what would happen if he did that, all the cardinals saw him and wondered what happened to the Pope, and they jumped in after him. They didn't know that they shouldn't jump headfirst into the swimming pool, and they didn't call me either for their free tarot reading, baby. So all of them broke their heads 
kids also. But when all the cardinals had done it, all the monsignors in the Vatican also wondered, where's all the cardinals, where's the pope? And they all ran over, saw they were dead in the swimming pool, they wanted to rescue them, and they jumped in head first. They broke their heads. At this point, the Vatican's almost empty. Only the Antichrist is left, and he jumped in. But fortunately for him, there was a big pile of bodies in there preventing him from dying, and he remained and took over the world. Which just goes to underscore, don't jump head first into the swimming pool, baby. Or else, you're letting the Antichrist win. This is Miss Cleo on Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax, 1-900-4357. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On April 9th, 2005, nearly eight years after Princess Diana's death in a car crash was mourned the world over, Prince Charles, her widower and heir to the British throne, wed his longtime mistress... Camilla Parker Bowles. Yes, yes. (laughs) Now I'm going to do something completely different and get married. (laughs) Um, your princeness, sir. My name is pretentious English person number seven. Silence, Um, knave! You will refer to me as your magnificent princeliness, Prince Prince. Darling, that wasn't very nice. Shut up, you. Oh! You seem like a total jerk. I'm certainly going to become a communist now. Look what you've done. Unfortunately, uh, the prince did not realize that pretentious British person number seven was the most influential man in the entire world, and Britain was soon overtaken by communism. If only he had known that you only get one chance to make a first impression. This is WHRW Binghamton. But wait, stop pretending. This is President Richard Milhouse Dixon on Celebrity Where Are They Now in History. Did you know that there was a world in which when the communists came over to the United Kingdom, they were caught completely off guard, considering they hadn't taken over much of the world in the last few years? And they were all in the middle of a huge drinking party, and most of them were on their ass and drunk out of their minds. They came over and immediately had an enormous party in the middle of the UK, throwing vodka at each other. It made a terrible impression. They were immediately thrown out and the UK decided to all become Islamists. The Radians came over, they were all wearing suits and ties, and they were all sober. And so, the United Kingdom became an Islamic Sharia state. Everyone hated it, but they decided to stick with it because the first impression was so good. Just underscoring that you only get one chance to make a first impression, and, and if it's great, like mine, nothing can ever undermine you, and you will always look good to history. This is Richard Dixon on Celebrity World They Double History on Casted Life. Hello, I'm Rory Sinjin. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On April 16, 1943, the hallucinogenic effects of LSD were discovered in Basel, Switzerland, when Albert Hoffman, a Swiss chemist, accidentally consumed LSD-25, a synthetic drug he had created in 1938 as part of his research into the medicinal value of lysergic acid compounds. All right, so I just try a little bit of this. Wait, where'd you come from? I am the fairy goddess, telling you to carpool with me. There is no more need for you to ride your bike. In fact, if you do ride your bike, you will be wasting energy that will be better spent on a bicycle built for two. A carpool, you see? Hey, Doc, the banana's back and it's talking in the lunchroom again, man, telling me all about the cosmic awareness of China. Whoa. Now, you see, here's the interesting part. There was a red fairy yesterday, and today it's green. What will it be tomorrow? As long as you carpool, I will magically grant whatever color fairy you want. Hey, we'll all go together, man. There's a Grateful Dead concert just down the road. Woo-hoo! And so it shall be. And Dr. Hoffman did start the very first carpool, 
leading an entire group of fellow scientists in one car to the Grateful Dead concert just down the road. Grateful Dead, of course, being incredibly, incredibly young at the time. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Aren't you grateful and back to tell you some more? This is Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead on Celebrity Where Are They Now in History. Did you know that there is a world where the fairy that was obsessed with getting people to carpool kept doing her job better and better and better? So as soon as they got on the road with this uh, one scientist and the other guy that was doing all the drugs, they were driving down the road and she saw some other people on the side of the road. She stopped and got them to jump in the car, even though they weren't going that direction. And then she kept going, and then she stuffed more people in the car. And then she was starting to get people out of the cars that they were driving and stuffing them in the car. So the car was full of people, but she kept stuffing them in there. And some people broke limbs, and then they eventually ran out of oxygen and all died. And the car careened off the edge of the road into a tree. And they all died and got buried. But they were very grateful. Um, which is where I come in. So... The lesson, everybody, is remember to carpool because you'll all get killed and it'll cause great music to come in the world. This is me, Jerry Garcia, from The Grateful Dead on Celebrity. Where are they now in history on Cast and Wax? In memory of Jerry Garcia. Scary stories from a cat in the dark. Hello and welcome back to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan D. White, and we return from a very long hiatus. But hopefully, Scape has not lost any of his storytelling skills. Is that correct, Scape? No, I'm still really good at it, so... Good, good, good. If, for those of you who forget what this is, this is a show in which Scape tells scary stories uh, to a an avid listener who will listen and question him if he doesn't make any sense. I always make sense. Well, we'll find out. Uh, usually we have me tell Scape a story, but uh, we've a few times done something slightly different, which we did again now we've had scape watch a film uh, and this is a film he likes quite a bit yes it, it, well it's a series i like quite a bit right it's a series he likes quite a bit not i guess this is not your favorite episode no okay but we'll we'll get to what that is in just a moment this is our listening guest our listener our guest listener ah that's a good one our guest listener a gentleman that you've heard on the podcast before in an episode of the amazing serial slam jackson adventurist he was a villain there, but hopefully he will not be a villain here. Mr. Jack the Stripper. That's right. It's me, Jack the Stripper. Sitting down, sitting down, sitting down. Okay, yeah, good. I, that's what I was going to say. You're not going to strip. Well, if I'm a stripper, it's what I do. Nobody's paying uh, you. Well, yeah, so I better not until I get paid. Right, right, right. All right. But I could strip anytime. No. About to strip, about to strip, about to strip. Don't do uh, it. We're not going to pay. That's right. Not till I get my money. Not stripping. Not stripping. Great. So, uh, Scape, do you want to take it away and tell this amazing story? Not stripping at all. Uh, yeah. Well, good. Uh, okay. I'm going to tell. You ready for a story? Yeah, yeah. I'm totally ready. Got my clothes on, everything. Okay. Uh, Here we go. Friday the 14th by Sean S. Cunningham. Okay, so, like, once upon a time, a long time ago, okay, there was a summer camp, and there was some council. Do you know what a summer camp is? It's where they go and they, they take off all their clothes, no. and they go in the pool, and they, they swim around, and swimming, 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 no, no, no clothes. No, that's skinny dipping. That's what I did at summer camp. I that's went and I learned idea. how to strip. That's a different, but that's that's very specific. That's like if I was like, do you know what a cat is? And they're like, yeah, it's like a little claw. No, that's a claw. Cats is little, little things that animals don't wear any clothes. Correct. 
Okay, so... It's like they're always stripping. No, I never strip. It's like you always just got done with stripping. I did a long time ago. Point is, there's a summer camp. And at a summer camp, the way it works is there's little kids who are like, oh, it's just little kids. But then there's older kids. I will not strip for little kids. Good thing. Officially will not strip. Good thing, because then there were, because I will tell you why, there were older kids who are supposed to watch the little kids. And the older kids are called counselors. That's totally not okay if they're watching them while they're stripping. No, no, then kids are not stripping. Why are they doing in the water? They're not in the water. Well, you'll see. There's going to eventually be kids in water, but I'll get there. Spoiler. Point is... I knew this how a summer camp works. No, that's only... That's only part of it. Here's what happens. So two of the counselors are like this. Hey, uh... Hey, I'm a counselor. Are you a counselor? Yeah, I'm That means they want them to strip. I've heard people well, talk like that. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to stop spoiling it. Listen. They're like, hey, I'm a counselor. You're a counselor? Yeah, I'm a counselor. Do you want to, you know, get it on? <laughs> okay. So they go upstairs and they're like, we're going to... We're going to sneak and, and do it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, you did. And so what happens is they're like getting into the doing of it. And what happens is, oh no, somebody comes up to them and they're like, what are you doing? And, and, and that person who comes up to them, uh, cures them. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. For, for stripping? Well, it has to do with it, maybe, because that's what they were, they were like, smooching, smooching, and they were like, taking clothes off, and they go- That's stripping, and when they're taking clothes off, I know it, I'm a stripper. And smooching. Right. And then they killed him, dead. Okay, Why? so, well, that, that's a mystery, isn't it? So, that was a long time ago, okay? Alright. So now, present day. Fast forward to now. I'm, I'm listening to your story. Yeah, yeah. Listening, listening to your story. Right, right. Present day. So in the present... I'm listening to your story. They are going to reopen the camp. Because... They, they closed it when those people died, okay? That's a terrible business idea. Well, if, I'm, if I'm stripping and there's a guy gets murdered in front of me, I don't say, ah, I'm never going to strip again. I just say, well, we're going to stop stripping for that guy. He's right. dead. So He's you not stopped stripping. You stopped. That's what they did. They were like, we have a camp. And they were like, die. And they were like, okay, no, we're not going to have a camp. So this is much later. This is present. I bet they weren't getting paid at all. Not anymore, because the people died. They probably got sued. This stuff happens when you- How do you sue him when you got killed? No, not them. What about their parents? What about them? They would sue. Okay, if you were stripping and you killed somebody by accident when you were stripping, you were like, took off your belt and you were like, Whoops, oh, I just whipped somebody's head off. Then that person's parents would be like, you owe us a million dollars. Wow, I better like be real careful with my belt when I'm stripping. That's like horrifying. So they, pro they probably sued him is the point. And they closed down the camp. But now another dude is like, Hey, there's a perfectly good camp. Why don't I open it? So he's opening it. And there's a girl who is hitchhiking. Do you know hitchhiking? Yeah, it's like you stand by side road and you start stripping. No. And then the car. No, no you don't strip. I've seen the hitchhikers and like pulling up, pull up the pant leg and start stripping, okay, stripping, well, yeah. stripping. Uh, um, pull up, pull up, pull up. And then this car stops. Well, okay. The thing. This girl was wearing shorts. So she didn't pull up nothing. But she was like. Hey, I'm going that way. Do you want to stop? And so, guess what? Somebody stopped. Who was it? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Well, you see uh, how I know who it was then? You can't. So the girl's like, hey, thank you. And 
Usually you say you're welcome. No, but they didn't say that because of their why. Because right now, basically right now, I'm the person who picked them up. I saw it from their point of view. And so I was just looking at her. You're a cat. Well, no, I was driving a truck. So, because it was from my point of view. I mean, it was from the driver's point of view. So I saw it through the driver's eyes. And so they stopped, they pick up the girl, the girl's like, hey fans, I'm going to the camp, let's go to the camp. They're all going to be skinny dipping and stripping. Well, maybe, they, well, spoiler, why do you spoil it? So they're driving, and she's like, hey wait, that's where, that's where the camp is, why don't you slow down? And I'm not slowing down, whoever I am driving. He's in an hurry. Yeah, I'm, nah, I'm going past it. And she's like, you're freaking me out. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything. And she's like, I'm jumping out of this car. So she jumps out of the car, and then she starts running into the forest and you know what happens well you get all the velcro things and the twigs and stuff hit your skin when you're stripping and then you go in the forest it, it like it hurts your skin you get cuts and things I'm talking about what happens to her oh she she got like a cut in the forest well kind of I cut her throat with a knife ah that's like horrible yeah well yeah it, it was it's horrifying. It's scary. I killed her with a knife. Why, you're a horrible cat. It wasn't me, like, as a cat. I'm just saying. Well, you're horrible whatever you were when you did. It was a person, the person who was driving the truck. That was, it was from there. Oh, well, he's a horrible driver. Yeah. It wasn't really me, but for a while... I could see through his eyes, or her eyes. The persons, we didn't see them. I don't know what they look like. So, that's who it was. Anyway, that girl is dead. Meanwhile, okay, at the camp that is reopening, the other counselors are getting ready. They're like, hey, let's get ready. And Steve runs the camp, and he's like, guys, you gotta get ready. And dress for the, the pool and everything. You get undressed. No, you, you gotta go. get dressed, not undressed. You get all your clothes wet in the pool. You're not gonna go swimming in the pool yet. He's saying you gotta finish building and painting and stuff like that. Right. Because the kids are not here yet. Just us, counselors. So let's paint it up and, you know, do-do-do-do-do. And then, so, hey, one of the guys is like, I'm going to go over there. Another one is like, I'm going to go that way. They'll split up. And Steve is like, I gotta go get surprised. Bye, I gotta get surprised. And uh, this one guy is like, uh, hey, what is that? I thought I saw a person that should not be here uh, over there going into that cabin. It's a dead girl. No, it's not a dead girl. That doesn't make any sense. She can't walk. Well, She's... if you thought he saw it, he wasn't seeing it right. No, he didn't think he saw the dead girl. He was like... Oh, wait, it's a truck driver. Press the dead girl is supposed to be there, but she's not. Why is she supposed to be dead in the forest? No, she's not supposed she's supposed to be at the camp. That was where So she it's was... the truck driver then. Well, it probably is whoever drove the truck, maybe, because he was like, Who's that? So he goes to look. He's like, Hey, who hey, who's in there? Uh he gets killed. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Because probably he was changing in there and no. then somebody was trying to interrupt him and it No, he wasn't changing. He was changing from alive to dead. Wow, this guy's horrible. Yeah. He's killing people all the time. Well, maybe it's a he. Maybe Or is she's killing people if it's a woman doing it. Yeah, one of the two. And so that guy died. So then another couple, a guy and a girl, are like, hey, do you want to just go over there and do it? And uh, They're probably stripping. Well, yeah, when they go to do it. And so they start doing it. And do you know what? The guy who just got killed, he's right above them in the upper bed. You know how there's like a bed on the top and a bed on the bottom? Right, and so you, you, you make the beds, one's on top of the other. It's a bunk bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dead guy was at the top, and then the, they were on the bottom doing it, and then they got killed. It's horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
It's horrible persons kill you. This story's getting a little bit repetitive. I sort of predicted they would get killed. You didn't say it. Well, I was imagining. Okay. Wait, well. all right. Hold on. Get to the next part. Okay. Meanwhile, do you remember Steve? Right, wait. I have a prediction. Okay. He's going to get killed. Well, his car breaks down. Probably Come. somebody was stripping some of the wires in it. Oh, maybe. I don't know. That would be mysterious. But the police go see him on the side of the road, and they're like, hey, do you want to ride? And he's like, yeah. So they go back. do 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 and when they get to the camp, Steve gets killed. Right, I predicted that. You did. You got it. You got it. So, right. So, Steve is... The, I think the priest just left. They By were, the way, this is still really horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. The priest were like, okay, Steve, see you later, bye. They drove, and then the killer was like... Oh, so I will kill you. Dead, Steve. Okay, dead. Oh, you see, telling him what's going on. So, meanwhile, again, I, I keep saying meanwhile, but meanwhile, again, at that same-ish time, right after that, the ones who are still alive, which is like a couple of people, there's still a couple of them. Good. They're playing a, a board game called Monopoly, and one girl is like, hey. Is this strip Monopoly? Yes, it is. That's my favorite kind of Monopoly. That's what they were playing. This girl was like, hey, do you want to play strip Monopoly? And the guys were like, I do, yeah. Because uh, then you would strip, right? Right. People love stripping. That's part of my job description is yeah, stripping. Well, here's the thing. You know what happens? The girl is like, hey, let's play strip Monopoly. And so they're playing. And like every time you, I don't know how to play Monopoly. Like they're moving. Oh, I got a, I got a six. That means I move. You roll the dice and then you take off some clothes. Well, basically. And then, so then she's like, Oh, you landed on my thing, so you have to take it off of your f- clothes. And so the guy is like, All right, I'll take That's it That's pretty much how it works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then when the girl who said that lands on stuff, she's like, Okay, I'm tired of this game. Wait a minute, it was her idea to I play Stripping Up I know! She is a cheater. She cheated at this game. What's like, the point of strip monopoly with no stripping? Yeah, yeah. She was like, let's play it. And then she was like, let's not play. I was only, I only want to play it if I win. Oh, spoil sport. Yeah, she sucks. Well, you know what happens. Wait, wait. She gets killed. Yes. Yes, because she's like, I, I don't want to play strip monopoly anymore, guys. I'm going to go. <laughs> and she she leaves and she goes into the, she's like walking in the forest, you know, and then she hears a voice that's like, hey, help me over here. Help me. And she's like, what? Why do people keep walking in the forest when this guy's that's running around? That's where they live. Oh. I mean, no, that's not where they live, but that's where the that's where the camp is. Also, they don't know. They didn't hear about all the dead people. They haven't found them yet. Right, all right. So, so they're right. just like, hey, what? Steve went away and he never came back. And I haven't heard about any dead people. I hate stripping. That's me talking like a character. Yeah. I hate stripping. I'm going to go walk around the forest. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to go back to my cabin. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. And she hears a little, help me, help me. And she's like, well, who said help me? I mean, look. Oh, I got killed. Oh. I should have seen that coming. Well, you did. You already said it. I was recapping. I mean, I should have seen it coming from like the start. Oh. Wait, are you talking about as you or are you talking as her? I'm like pretending to be her. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what are the, the the other two people, this one dude and the one girl, I think the girl's name is Alice, they were the ones who were playing strip monopoly with her. They heard her scream. They were like, oh, did you hear her scream? Let's go take a look. Oh, what's wait, this? Wait, wait. What, what, what? They get killed. No. Oh. 
They said, oh, what's this? It looks like a bloody axe that we found. Maybe somebody was killed. Well, let's call the police. Oh, the phone lines have been cut. Let's go to the car. Oh, the cars don't work. Why, why doesn't the cars work? Oh, the electricity's off, too. Oh, this sucks. This sucks. And the guy's like, I'm going to go check the generator. Does that sound like a good idea? And, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's like, well, where is he? Why did he, he said he was going to check. He went to check the generator. Yeah, why, but why didn't he come back yet? Well, he's still checking it. Uh, it's been a Or while. else he got killed. What? Uh, let me go look. Let me go look. So she goes to look. Oh, he's dead. Right, I predicted that. You did. Again. He was pinned to the door with a bunch of arrows. And then she's like, It's dead. like, it's pointing like, look, there he is, dead. No, like, shoot, arrows you shoot. Right, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, bow and arrows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, the Indians, they wore, wore almost no clothing. Well, They're like, always stripping. Well, I guess that's true. No, they didn't take... Look, she finds the dead body and she's like, That is scary. I gotta run away. She runs away and she gets into the cabin and she, she like, barricades the door. She's like, I'll push stuff in front of the door so nobody can open the door. And she's over near the window and she's like, Good thing I put stuff in front of the door. Ah! Somebody threw a dead body through the window. That is scary to me. So then she runs. She has to move the stuff back out of the way of the door so she can run out. And she runs out, and then all of a sudden a car pulls up, and she's like, "What? Who's that? Who's that with a car?" And a woman comes out and says, "Hey, how are you? My name is uh, Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, and like, uh, how are you doing?" And Alice is like, I'm doing okay, but everybody else is killed! I'd have thought she'd be, like, at least slightly distressed about that or something. Well, maybe, but... So she's like, everybody's dead. And Mrs. Voorhees goes, Oh, well, that's funny that you mentioned it because... Uh, a long time ago, like, a really long time ago, like, before the thing at the beginning of the movie, like, a long time ago, my son... I had a son... I'm, I'm Mrs. Voorhees when I say this. Right, I got uh, who that is. Okay. Yeah. My son uh, was a boy and he came to this camp. Right, lots he, of sons as boys, yeah. Yeah, and he came to this camp and he was a camper and he drowned in the lake. He was skinny dipping. Uh, well, I don't know if he was if he was naked, but he was in the lake. Well, he's a boy. We're, we're not allowed to care anyway. Yeah, you can't, you can't look at it. But he was drowned. Okay, and uh, you know how I felt about it? I was pretty upset. And that's why, uh, like, the, a year later, after that, at the beginning of the movie, I killed a bunch of the camp counselors, because I was like, instead of doing it, you should have been watching my son. Right, and, that's uh, part of their job description, right. is watch little children. Yeah, and so, that is also, by the way, why I've been killing everybody in this movie. I have a knife, I'm going to kill you. That solves the mystery. Yes. I bet she gets killed. Who? One of them. Well, maybe because, okay, so Mrs. Voorhees is like, I'm going to kill you, Alice. I'm going to kill you. And Alice is like, no, thank you. And she's running. She's running away. And, uh, oh, she finds more dead bodies. That's all the other people. They're all dead. Just like I thought they were, but oh, well. And then what happens is Alice finds a machete. And then Miss Voorhees is like, I'm gonna jump on you and stab you! And Alice is like, I was feeding a machete. Chop! And she chops off Mrs. Voorhees' head. Totally called it! Well, you hedged your bets a little bit about that one. So, but then Alice is still, to be honest with you, pretty scared. So she's like, okay, I 
that girl was the killer. That old lady, I mean, was the killer. But I'm freaked out, so what I'm gonna do is get into this boat and just float out in the middle of the lake. Because then, I don't know, nobody will... You'd have to swim to get me and I'd probably hear you coming, so... That's what I'm gonna do. So she gets in the boat, she floats out in the middle of the lake. I guess she falls asleep, I guess. The next morning, uh, the police come. And they're like, what the... Uh, there's a lot of dead bodies here. Well, how did all this happen? Somebody killed them. Yeah, well, I wonder who it was. Oh, look. Well, it was Mrs. Voorhees. Well, you know that, but they don't know that. So, they're like, oh, look. Uh, there's a girl. And Alice is like, yeah, I'm here in the middle of the lake. Police officers, oh my god, guess what happens? She gets killed. Well, that's kind of unclear. What happens is, sudden, surprise, completely out of nowhere, you're like, totally taken, shock, what the, oh my god, like that. Right. Out from the lake, jumps up, what appears to be the drowned son from like a million years ago. He was drowned in that lake. Yeah, he jumps up and he grabs... Alice, and he's like, I will pull you into the water, and he pulls her into the water, and that's totally shocking, and then suddenly Alice is like, what the, what the, what the, oh, oh, I'm, I'm in the hospital, oh, I just, I was, I, oh, now I'm in the hospital, okay. They probably had her, like, undressing and getting in a gown. Well, maybe, so she's like, oh, and they're like, don't worry, it was only a dream that you had, and she's like, oh, God, yeah, what happened to the little boy at the camp? And they're like, uh, uh, what little boy at the camp are you talking about? Because we didn't find a little boy at the camp. So she goes, oh, so he's still there then. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. The end. So it was all a dream. No, 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 no. Just, I think, just the part where the, the boy grabbed her. How do we know when she fell asleep? That was, it was when she got in the boat. Right. You know, like, a, a while after she got in the boat. And she started skinny dipping and fell asleep, and then she dreamed about a kid. I don't think she went skinny dipping, because that would be, like, pretty bizarre. I go skinny dipping all the time. After everybody gets killed? Well, I don't, fight, like, think, well, time to go skinny dipping, undressing, undressing. Oh, wait, somebody got killed, can't do skinny dipping. Yeah, you do. When have I ever done that? When did somebody get killed? Right in this movie. And you didn't go skinny dipping. Not yet. But you're still naked. That's because I am never dressed. If you tried to put clothes on me, I'd be like, you better stop that. Right, like you're giving away the product before anybody pays for it. Nobody pays for it. That's because you're giving away the product. Uh, look, that's the end of the story. So now we're supposed to talk about the story. Well, I think uh, they all got killed a lot. Not all of them. A lot, a lot of them got killed. Ki yes. A lot of them got killed well, a lot. Well, yeah. Everybody in this movie, except for Alice, got killed. Well, and the uh, people at the hospital. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think uh, it, they all got killed, like, frequently in this movie. No, they only got killed once no, each. No, like, people, people in this movie frequently got killed. Just once each. But there was frequent getting of people killed in this movie. You mean a lot of people got killed. Right, yeah, in this yeah, movie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, is there, uh, we have to find a moral? There is one, yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, avoid murderers. Well, I don't think that's it. I mean, that's probably good advice, but how do you know? Like, if they'd all gone to the camp instead of saying, like, well, let's go find a murderer, uh, that's not killed. what they did! Well, right, but if instead they just, like, 
let's go skinny dipping. No, and no, that's what they did. Well, they didn't go skinny dipping. They probably, if they did, I skipped it. But they were not trying to find a killer. At the very beginning, they were like, let's do it. And right, then somebody yeah. was like, I'll kill you instead. And then a girl was like, take me to the camp. And she was like, I'll kill you instead. So I guess it's like just, even if you're stripping, you can get murdered. So yeah. watch out. Well, that's not the whole moral. I will tell you the real one. Okay. Right. The scary moral is never be doing it instead of doing your job. Ever. Or else somebody will kill you. Usually, like, to do it, I have to do my job first. So don't do it while you're doing What if you were, somebody was like, hey, come over to my house and do a stripper thing. And you were like, okay. And they were like sitting there going, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch a guy do stripping. And you were like, hey, hey, girl, do you want to go in another room and do it instead of me stripping? And then the person was like, where's the stripper? They will kill you. They would? Yeah. Wow, that's horrible. Yeah. All right, well, make sure always complete a stripping first. Yeah. Right. Do your job. That's a good lesson. If they're, you have to watch children, watch children. Never have sex with your clothes on. No. What? What does that have to do with it? Because you always get finished with the stripping no, first. No, not and stripping. Then... Any job. All jobs. Do all jobs. Never do it. Right. Okay. Okay. Good. So we got it. Right. Still not stripping. Not being paid yet. Good, good. Okay, so, uh, whew, I hope you enjoyed that. So, Scape, you, you like that movie? Yeah, it's pretty good. How did you like it? Well, it was a corner, it was a bit repetitive, but it had some stripping in it. It did, oddly enough. All right, well, thank you for listening to the most recent and newest return of Scapey Stories. I'm the Cat in the Dark. Scape, do you want to? Yes! Tune in next time when it gets better because, uh, you're going to have more stuff about Jason. Did I mention Jason? Oh, crap, I forgot Nathan Manhattan saves Vermont. By Pete Bowers, Daniel Schwartz, Mickey Weissner. Charles Berman Episode 1 The stage is set Stages are set when Everything is Set upon the stage I give up I can't do it Oh sweet Sweet Booza Hall You are my only comfort in these dark times 3.28pm Or just my only comfort at all. Why, Jane. Nathan's friend, inexplicably. How delightful to see you this fine afternoon. Won't you come inside? We're preparing the lutefisk for our sitar jamboree. Bongos? As delightful as that sounds, Mr. Van Etten, I came to check on Nathan. How's he doing? Difficult to say, Jane. He's been in his room for several weeks, weeping and spewing tautologies. I can only assume he is responsible, also, for the considerable drain on my liquor cabinet. Are things really that bad? I assume so. I briefly considered assisting him, but I believe that there are some things a man has to work out for himself. This, I remain convinced, is one such thing. What could have happened? He hasn't been to the gaming shop, or the comic store, or the ice cream parlor, or any of the 16 other places he regularly goes. Why, Jane? 
How considerate of you to track his movements. Nathan is truly fortunate to have a friend like you. Why, Mr. Van Etten, what a sweet thing to say. Speaking of sweet, here is some gulab jamun. Are you hungry? No thanks, Mr. Van Etten. I'll go see if Nathan needs anything. As you wish, Jane. Nathan, may I come in? You may, Jane, for without entrance. How will you get in here? What? Oh, Pitts, I can't do this. It feels weird to be in here with you here. This place is a mess. What happened? Oh, Jane, my girlfriend. (laughs) How it pains me to see you seeing me like this with your eyes. Nathan, why are you talking like that? Your father said you'd been drinking, but that doesn't sound like you at all. How else would I talk? For without a mouth, how could people communicate with... Others and words, words would not be, oh God, this is so hard. What is? Talking like he did. (coughs) It's the only way I can think of to bring him back. And until then, I have only Messers, Walker, Boston, Daniels, and Goose to comfort me. (coughs) Nathan, you can't drink your problems away. Exactly. You can't drink my problems away. That's why I have to do it. No, Nathan. This won't go away until you confront the problem. I'll tell you what the problem is. This is the problem. Ever since this cursed bottle of voice-stopping plus two came into my life, there's been nothing but sorrow... And bouts of vomiting. Oh, you won the contest. That's great, Nathan. So the attached letter says. But apparently a trip to Vermont comes with a mandatory emptiness in my heart. I'll fill it, Nathan, with whatever object you see fit. Then here, take my father's oriental disemboweling cutlass and end my pain. Here, into my coward's heart, plunge this sword. Oh, Nathan, your manly chest is bared to me, consensually. Bring me sweet relief, Jane. No, Nathan. I don't have a clue what's going on in that drunk, beautiful head of yours, but I swore a blood oath beneath the moon that you would be mine, and I intend to keep it. Whatever is going on, I'll help you solve it, no matter what. Why, Jane, what a helpful thing to suggest. You're right. I should find a way to solve this problem. That's what you're taking away from that? Naturally. I never knew you to be so useful. Now, the first step should be the one I start with. Hey, I'm getting better at this. Let's start with the source of my torment. This bottle is where it all began. And Vermont is where this bottle began. What all began, Nathan? The voice went away, Jane. What voice? My voice! My closest friend and dearest companion has abandoned me, and I am going now to Vermont to get him back. But I need help, Jane, that the kind of help you might be able to give me. Will you help me? Oh, Nathan! You know I will! Now that you've said it, duh! Only by hearing you say- There are two tickets in this envelope with the prize letter. Well, how will we get to the airport? We need a car. Right back. Out of the car! (laughs) Found a car! Excellent! Now, let's go save Vermont. I mean me. 
In that episode of Nathan Van Etten Saves Vermont, Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weishner, Jane was Aaron Morrissey, and Nathan's dad was Daniel Schwartz. Thank you very much, Rory. Now please go back to the couch. Yes, yes, I will go back. Um, okay, uh, so, June, uh, Mike... Can I call you June and Mike? You can call me June. Um, if, only if you can call me uh, Chairman Mike. Ch- but are you? I'm I'm the chairman, aren't I? Well, hmm, we can uh, debate about that at the next uh, midterm syndicalist uh, communal election. Well, fine, but for now, I'm still the, the chairman of this zoo, and then Comrade Mike. Okay, Comrade Mike. Um, what I want to talk to you guys about, we first of all, again, let me thank you. We have done some terrific brainstorming here today, and I've come away with a lot of ideas that I think we will have a great time uh, implementing. Here's the thing. I don't know much about money, because I hate it, because I spend it immediately after getting it, because I hate it. But I've looked very cursorily at the, the budget books of the zoo, and they're complicated and mysterious, but they are also small for the amount of things that we need to run, which is part of why I was thinking we'll implement all these things of self-sustaining with the animals and things like that. The point is, we've only got enough money to hire one of you. So for the last segment here, I was thinking we could just talk about which one of you is going to get this uh, this job. Well, if you want a horrifically exploitive uh, system in which uh, capital runs roughshod over the needs of the many, then I would definitely suggest we go with uh, Mrs. June T. Loveburger. As the uh, new hire. Wow, you went negative right off the bat. Yes, you well, did. I you, think that, you, that I mean, I suppose in some circles, the endless, uh, merciless search for profit is actually a commendable quality to have. Also, I'm, I, if anything, uh, complimenting you. All right, let her talk. Well, I think that that speaks to your character that you would um, say something negative first. But um, no, I oh, feel like I've I've given so much. Uh, I I feel like Jordan truly understands how much I have put into his work. Well, um, Rory's work. And and your work. Well, I mean, this program is your work. And yes, and I've, and you've I've given done money so to the Rory section. To, I've done so much to help um, advance this program. And the I Rory think you understand um, my compassion for animals and that uh, my my immense interest in their well being and also the comprehensive studies that I've put together on animal welfare and on on treating animals well, properly. I mean that's the thing. You have this 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 compassion for animals, but you'd be okay with taking this job even though it would be making money off of the exploitation of animals? Well if the animals are agreeing to it and I believe that you and I Jordan can work together yeah, okay. to make to make animals enthusiastic about uh, cohabitating and, and working with people in a way that makes communist people and animals both happy in a communist way sure okay that's if that's i mean because that's the thing what i'll say is let's just i'm just going to put it out there as of right now i i think dr mike has doc mike if i may um comrade mike if uh even if you uh, feel like it comrade doc mike you know i like the ring of that sure comrade doc mike has a bit of an edge over you on the communist side that being said, Not- wait, wait, hold on. That being said, there is a place where I see you as having an advantage, if I may say so, which is that even though our zoo will be a communist society, in the running of the zoo, someone has to actually handle the capitalist money that interacts with the world around the zoo. Because unfortunately, I mean, while I do see the zoo as a stepping stone in many ways to a larger social change, for now, it still has to operate within the system of the United States of America which is unfortunately pretty capitalistic and, and corporatist, if I may. That's what you think. Right. And that that's also not just to say that I have an understanding of finance, because I don't think that that's my only asset. I also have a great compassion for animals 
and a desire to help animals and people work better together in a community. I like to propose an idea. Okay. In terms of balancing the books and making this zoo work in an unfortunately capitalist society. Okay. I have a system of sec- that can ensure security so well that we will no ha- longer have to invest in cages, in security personnel, or anything else that really requires a lot of uh, hefty usage of funds okay. in, in the security region. What do we do? We basically get all these animals together. Um, I like to propose that maybe we put them in more of a circular sort of chamber Ensure that they're in the center of that chamber. We're going to have multiple windows scattered throughout this chamber that are, we, you could say they're all um, perhaps one-way windows. And we tell all of these- For anim- the zoo visitors. For this the zoo like- visitors or for personnel. Okay. Quote, unquote. For, we'll say, at any given time, the personnel could be watching these animals or they might not. If they act up- if they perhaps try to eat each other or try to try to reintroduce capitalism into the system, then we tell them that they're running the chance that grave consequences could befall them and the guards could be upon them at any instant. Interesting. So theoretically, they could be doing horrible things, but the fear, the very fear of retribution will be enough to stop them, so much so that we don't have to hire so much security or employ so much expensive measures, but actually employ maybe a fraction of the real security. This is a really innovative That's idea. Really, uh, actually, it's not, and oh. and and actually, it's it's a very costly idea to implement because That's you would need point. to create a whole new setup yeah. as opposed to we already an, have an all overhaul the cages. Yeah. all the existing setup that exists. Yeah, that's true. It's already built. Like, if we hadn't already built... If we didn't build the zoo, if the zoo weren't already built, that might be a good idea for a zoo, though. I was eyeballing the lion cages on my way in. They do have a bit of a circular bent to them. Well, we'll have to... Well, we can talk about it, but for now, it's I think pre- we're gonna, It seems like a pretty elaborate setup to, to properly implement. I think that's like year four. And... Uh, right. Well, no truly glorious revolution ever can be introduced uh, within what, a day, a month... Or even a year. It's a very gradual sort of process, but society will benefit so greatly in the long run. Well, let's. Right. And I, I recognize the value of long term planning, but it's also important to be able to be practical and think what can we do now with the resources that we have, and then how can we use these resources to build something that and and shape it the way we want it to be in the future. All right. Well, look. Let's let's just we we like I said we got to wrap things up. Um, before I, I get to the, the closing arguments for this, I do want to remind everyone, you can write into us at castinwax at gmail.com. That's castinwax at gmail.com. Now, and in addition, this program oh, may contain language or material. No, no, no. The, there's nothing offensive about this show at all. The point is, I'm going to give each of you one more opportunity to just state your case for who for who should get the job. Why don't I let, I mean, you, you started us off. So, Doc Mike, why don't you? Uh, well, quite simply, my methods have had a revolutionary effect on scape for one thing. And for another, I believe my idea of a of a sort of all-seeing eye cage is quite frankly brilliant. I mean, I'm I should be more humble, but I'm just simply humbled by how much of a wonderful idea this is. Yeah, it's kind of like like you said, all-seeing. So that's like a like a panoptizoo. I like that name. Let's yeah. call it a panoptizoo. Well, we have again. That's like I think that would be like year four. I th- I think that we're getting ahead okay. Of ourselves. Yes, we are getting ahead of ourselves. But Please. I'm. But if it's year four, then I would argue that I have very good long term uh, business skills. That's true. Okay, good point. And uh, June. That's not a long term. Bu- that's that's a 
a good overall strategy for creating the kind of system that you want, but I don't think that that speaks to business skills. And speaking of business skills, I think that that's um, something that I clearly possess and that um, I can really help get this um, this zoo started on the right foot and actually be able to have the resources to invest in the future of this zoo. In addition to that, I'm also just a generally very caring towards animals person, and I feel like that speaks to my ability to be able to relate to all the creatures at the zoo and to understand what's in their best interest and how to best communicate with them about uh, how to have a mutually beneficial relationship. Whew, okay. That's what you think. Well, that that's true. That is what I think. It's also true. This is a really tough decision, guys. Like, you guys are both really smart and really qualified. So uh, let me let me just start by saying I, I do wish I could hire you both. I really do. Uh, you'd probably kill each other, but I, I think it would be it would be effective in the zoo. Because um, if you because we could show the animals if you guys could work together, they can work together. But like I said, I only have the budget for one of you, so. The position as uh, the head of the administration of the Bronx Zoo, with all of the rights and privileges that come with it, with the with the um, sixty thousand dollar a year salary, uh, I'm will sorry? go to. I'm sorry. What did you just the, say? I'm saying I'm about to announce the winner. The the, the person no, no, who no, would no. get. I, I just I I didn't I didn't realize that. Um, well. You know, I I really do think that I have a lot of um a, a lot of responsibility already in my uh in in my professional life. I know, and, and, and enough that's responsibility. why, and that's one of the reasons uh, that you're such a good candidate because you've shown I, I, that you can handle so much. I understand, but I, I I feel like I already have enough responsibility and and enough. Uh, we're so we're so close, Jordan, and I and I feel like we have um. What enough of a uh I feel like I've done so much to help your program, but I I really well, it's Rory's part of the program. No, I mean, listen. I feel like I have I, enough going on. I don't in feel my like it's a conflict of interest. I don't, really interest. I don't feel. Wait, I, I so do, I do feel like this is a. It's very. I, I'm. I'm honored, but I just don't think that. Um. Well, I didn't say that I chose you. Well, I. I just don't think that I. Um. Wait. So you're you're pulling out? I'm afraid so. I just. I think that it. It would be a conflict of interest, and well, I, whose I, interest? My other. My other. Um, what conflict? Okay, my, well, my other responsibilities and 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 my. My relationship with Rory, and well, I just not a con- feel like conflict. it's a, I, it, there's just too much. He's not really, going to be in the zoo. I, Jordan, I really I appreciate it, but I, I appreciate I you trying to get me to stay. Right. But I just I don't think that it's well it's for. The, I think it's for the best. Fine, so you get it, Doc Mike. Excellent. The union thinks you already good. So all right, fine. So he won now because you pulled out. So um, uh, really, kind of- I'm very happy for you, and I wish you the best of luck. And and really, I. Uh, I appreciate that you were so interested in wanting me for this position, which you clearly were really very interested in. And I, and, and I really well, I I appreciate how much you had you really valued out. my skills. I do. I appreciate All right. that. Well, thank you. Thank you both. For, again, thank you both for being here. You both contributed ideas that I will probably steal and use. But thank you for signing the idea submission forms when you t- came in. And um, like I said, if you have any uh, uh, criticisms or suggestions for me and the zoo, for Doc Mike, as he helps run the zoo, or just for the show in general, because again, Frank and Rory are still on the show. Yeah, we're still part of the show. So no, I know. Yes, yes, they're part of the show. So the point is, um, yes, if you have anything you want to say to any of us, please, please, please write into us, castandwax at gmail.com. At any rate, um, here's me playing God Gave Rock and Roll to You on my banjo Everybody, be seeing you.
Put it in the soul. 